There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to another episode of At This Point, Why Bother? Starring me, Richard Martin, and... My good friend, Alex Jones. What is this it? Yep. Why did you call it not, why bother? Because why? I thought you were happy with this. <laughs> but then we watched Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, but then we watched Moulin Rouge. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I'm still, I'm st- I wasn't ready to start and you started it, but let's keep going, that's fine. No, we can start again. No, no. I feel like we always start on these real weird. No, you need to sit back though. We start on these weird, like, tangents, but they're, but they're not tangents because we haven't done anything. Anyway, today, this is... <laughs> Wait. What? Where are we? What is Where this? Are, we're in our flat. What is this right now? This is Film Franchise Fortnites. Oh, what's that? It's a podcast where I watch um, <laughs> a film, different film franchise every week, um, and also AJ's here as well. Yeah. To, to join me, of course, as always... But new for this episode, uh, we're discussing the Red Curtain trilogy. We don't normally do this, but uh, we decided to to give it a go today, didn't we? We don't, we don't normally do what? Discuss the Red Curtain trilogy. <laughs> no, we don't normally do that. Um, so, so the Red Curtain trilogy consists of three films. Yeah. Um, Strictly Ballroom um, from 1991. On. 92, sorry. Mm. Um, Romeo and Juliet from 96. Mm. And uh, Moulin Rouge from 2001. All directed by Baz Luhrmann. Um, and of course, uh, Moulin Rouge stars Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. Romeo and Juliet stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. And um, Strictly Ballroom stars Scott and Fran <laughs> as themselves. <laughs> they play themselves? No. <laughs> no, they were act- the, the, the actors playing those characters. Uh. But they're not important because so this is this is a bit different to how we usually do our podcast. Well, not really. The the <laughs> what I'm saying is that the type of franchise that this pertains to yeah. is very different and almost to the point of like, oh, don't know if this counts. Yeah, well, sort it's, of it's just going to be reviewing three movies. It's in a box set yeah. where it refers to itself as the Recurring Trilogy. What? Um, so did what, you want to discuss co- how the connection? Yeah. Okay. So the connection is that they're all. Um, elements of stage shows, right? So the first one is a dance movie, because you dance on stage. The second one is Romeo and Juliet, which is a play, because you do plays on stage. And the third one is a musical, because you do musicals yeah. on stage. Well, the way the way they describe it is um, a theatre motif, so dance, poetry and language, and song. Okay. The second one being poetry and language, there's not four. Right, right yeah, that wouldn't be a trilogy. Yeah, that would be a, you know, <coughs> some kind of, you know... Hmm unheard of film um, series do you want me to briefly summarize oh uh, sure okay <clears throat> i've been waiting my whole life for this moment this, i'm very honored that you would ask me <laughs> to do this um so strictly ballroom is about 
a Australian ballroom dancing league and the main character's like, I don't want to dance ballroom. And everyone's like, you have to dance strictly ballroom. And then he meets up with another chick who doesn't want to dance ballroom either and they dance their own freedom. It's high school musical, but with dance, ballroom dancing and other dancing instead of basketball and singing. Yep. Um, Romeo and Juliet is about two star-crossed lovers here in Fair Verona. Um, and yeah, it's well. The, the, if you know Romeo and Juliet, the gimmick is that it's set in modern day with yeah. the Shakespearean language kept. Um, and then Moulin Rouge is about a penniless writer named Christian who falls in love with Satine, who's a Moulin Rouge courtesan. Um, but there's also a duke that wants to, wants her for himself, and he goes a little bit Genghis Khan. <laughs> <laughs> for those Mike Snow fans. Yeah, um, and he's like, oh, no, no one else is allowed to be with her except for me. Um, so I'm She's gonna, only keen on me. She's only keen on me. Um, if you've seen About a Boy, that's a great reference. I'm going to turn the game down a bit again. Not that... It just, it's freaking me out, but I don't understand why the... No, oh, no, it's down as far as it'll go. Oh, wow, okay. Um, no, we're just projecting slightly more. <clears throat> as you do. As you do when you're talking about stage. Stage! <laughs> cool, um... And yeah, and so it's a musical and they put on a play. Mm. And um, it's an interesting musical because it's a jukebox musical, is okay. the term. Um, which is where the music isn't written for the musical, it's pre-existing songs put uh-huh. in. And it has this interesting effect because um, Ewan McGregor's character is a writer and it's, um, it's set in 1900. 1899. 1899. And, um, <laughs> the turn of the century, Bohemia. And he's, um, and he, you know, he's like, uh, he's a poet. Yeah. And then he comes out with Elton John's Your Song, and it's the most beautiful thing ever written. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this during the movie, is that it's quite nice because it makes the film humble. Mm. Because, it, it, like, he's trying to impress Nicole Kidman's character, and he comes out with, my gift is my song, and this one's for you. And they're saying, and the way she reacts to it, and the way the film plays out, is that, like, this is the most beautiful th- thing he could have ever said to her. And if it was an original piece of writing, it's like, okay, well, that's a bit arrogant. Mm. And you don't necessarily agree with it. Whereas you're like, with, because it's an Alan John song, you're like, oh, that is a really good song. It's a really beautiful song. Mm. And it's this humility to the film that otherwise wouldn't be there. Yeah. And also, um, the anachronism of it, the anachronist nature of it. How do you mean? Do you know what anachronism is? Uh, an acronym. Anachronism. Oh, no, what's anachronism? Uh, and an, an anachronism is... Um, Something that's in the wrong time period. So like, ah, sure, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, it, like a, a Knight's Tale. Yeah, has a, yeah has like that. <laughs> or um, and Django Unchained. He's wearing a wristwatch. Is he? At one point, yeah. Huh. Um, I do want to pump the brakes a little bit okay. and just just go back. And I, I I need to vehemently establish right now that you and I did not enjoy the first okay. two films. No, well, I want to. I want to talk. Okay. <laughs> Despite how like the praise we're giving, Moulin we Rouge we right watched now. a good film. A fine film and a bad film, in my opinion. Okay. What would you say? I would say that I understand the allure of Strictly Ballroom and Romeo and Juliet, but they're not for me. My yeah. goodness, they are not for me. Yeah. Um, but I really, I would consider Moulin Rouge to actually be one of my favourite movies, which is interesting mm. going from one to the other and literally like struggling to, to keep awake in the first two and then being like on the edge of my seat, loving on yeah, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, so I, I, did, I hadn't seen any of the... Oh, I'd seen Romeo and Juliet... Mm. but not in one go mm-hmm. i think um 
Whereas I've never seen Strictly Ballroom or Merlin Rouge. I think parts of Merlin Rouge, and I was aware of like the Elf and Love medley. Yeah, but, isn't it? <laughs> just quickly, yeah. I didn't see Romeo and Juliet in one go ever either. Yeah, and you know why? Because we, we were talking about this earlier. We feel like we like all, everyone who watched it with us were like we've only ever seen this in segments, mm. and the reason for that is because it's taught in high school English. Yeah, and, and you so, watch it in forty-five minute periods. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the way to watch that movie. Yeah. It's and so hard to digest. And yeah, because. It's an interesting experiment. I'll give it that. Yeah. That's about, that's the highest praise I can give it. It's cool. It's, it's a, yeah. Um, I don't like the way it's directed. No. I don't like the way it's edited. No. Um, I'm not a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio, but we'll get to that, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, and it's just, it's very hard to watch. It's slightly And like, I'm not, I, I'm not vehemently against Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, but, ah, oh, come on. I don't it's really like great. Romeo and Juliet as a yeah, story. It's not great. It's it's the perfect example of dramatic irony. Mm. Mm. If if someone was like, Richard, what's dramatic irony? I'd be like, have you seen Romeo and Juliet? And they'd say, no. And I said, well, yeah, okay, why watch are we having this? Why do you know what dramatic irony is? But so you, you haven't, haven't seen, seen that, Romeo yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I would say, I think Baz Luhrmann is one of the best editors in the business. Does he actually edit his film though? Uh, maybe, maybe he doesn't. But the titles that he produces are, are the best editors edited in the business. Um, but that being said... Jill Bilcock directed these three films. Directed them? Edited. Oh, right. Um, well, Jill Bilcock, she's, she's great. And I think that... We should what, get her on the podcast. What, <laughs> Jill, if you're listening. <laughs> um, what, what, what's interesting about the, these first two films and then the, the third one and then the ones he's made after, which are Australia and The Great Gatsby, yeah. is uh, Moulin Rouge is like definitely the only one I like. Yeah. I haven't seen Australia, but I'm assuming I won't like it. Because yeah, it because didn't... it's like three hours long and it was <laughs> panned by critics. Um, but, but I think that's because Moulin Rouge is, is, is golden Baz Luhrmann. You know, it's it's yeah. all the elements he tries to do and fails, but at this perfect storm, they all came together. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I think Baz Luhrmann's, uh, I'd almost go so far as to call him like a bad director, mm-hmm. but he's, he's the Michael Bay of of theaterish. Yeah, like, kind of. Well, yeah, because Michael Bay has a distinctive style, and yeah. it's a lot of fast cuts, and you kind of have to admire what he does. And there's a lot of imitators that actually can't do it as good as Michael Bay does. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the um, Every Frame of Painting video. Um, what is Bayhem? He goes into the detail of why Michael Bay is actually not a bad director. And, and when James Cameron was making Avatar, he went back and watched the Transformers movies and reverse engineered some of the action sequences because they're actually quite impressive. And he's yeah, like, yeah. how can I duplicate these? And when James Cameron is copying you, you yeah, you're yeah. kind of doing something right. Um, but yeah, Baz Luhrmann is kind of that. It's a lot of. Um, uh, all style, no substance. Yeah. Um, and then he somehow just nailed it with Moulin Rouge mm. to get the substance in there as well. And it's, it's, it's I want to say it's his only original star. Yeah, it's, it's, it's based on a couple of things. Yeah. Um, the um, the the tragic tale of Orpheus and Eurydice. Okay. Um, the Greek tragedy. Okay. Um, and it's also uh, loosely based on something else. But um, Strictly oh, Ballroom is yeah. a play that he wrote. Oh, okay, so that's more... uh, so Strictly Ballroom is original. But it was his original story, but it's adapted from play, but he wrote the play. Mm-hmm. Um, and Romeo and Juliet uh, is... Um, Who was that? Uh, it's... Uh, there was a 90s... Uh, the, like, there was a, a 60s film, hey, I think. Is, um, that what, is it a remake of the Yeah, 60s? I think it's a remake right, of that. Right. Um, but I think otherwise it's an original property. Okay. Um, oh, I'm just I'm just joshing around. It's written by the classic... I'm aware Bay. that it's a Shakespeare <laughs> play. Um, 
Okay, do we, how do we want to do this? Because we can't really talk about them as a cohesive story because they're not. Right, how we, okay, if we, do we go one by one? Well, have, you defini- have we definitively ranked them? Should we no. do that? No, yeah, okay. I would say from my least favourite to favourite. Yeah. Is that how you do it or is that more confusing? Uh, no, I, I like the dramatic suspense. Okay. So Actually, my, no, because I'm kind of more interested in, in what you would rank two and three because we know Moulin Rouge is going to be number one. No, Moulin Rouge is my favourite. Yeah, okay. I would, uh, I would, I probably enjoy Strictly Ballroom more than Romeo and so, Juliet. Yeah, I'd say that as well. Um, I, I found it really hard to get through when we watched it because we watched it quite late at night and I, um, it's I was falling asleep. There was one scene where you said, that was a really good scene. Yeah. And that woke me up. You saying that? I, I missed that scene. That was so the only that, that scene see. was when um when what's his name Scott, Scott learns how to do Latin dancing from Fran's parents, and I was like, "This is nice. This is this is a cool scene." Yeah. Uh, probably the only scene I enjoyed, yeah. but I would say probably the only scene I didn't see. <laughs> it's a very inoffensive movie. Like, there's nothing you can really hate about it, and it's also got the charm of being <clears> like an Australian indie flick. Yeah, which, which is interesting. I'll, I'll go on to the um, which the, Romeo and. Julier didn't have. Yeah, so the um, the budgets for them, uh, Strictly Born was budgeted three million, about three okay. million, and it, um, it made eleven million. So cool. good return, but not a huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, Romeo and Juliet had fourteen point five million, uh, made one hundred forty seven million, so huge return. Mm-hmm. And um, Moulin Rouge had a budget of fifty two point five million, made a return of one hundred seventy nine. So bigger investment, but that didn't necessarily pay off with the return. Right. Interestingly, like made about the same as Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Strictly Ballroom, um, interestingly, this is the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Uh, Strictly Ballroom has 95%. That's ridiculous. Which is insane. Romeo and Juliet, 72. Moulin Rouge, 78. Uh, Moulin Rouge was nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. But no, and the other two weren't. And um, uh, Baz Luhrmann wasn't nominated for Best Director, interestingly, for, um, <laughs> just like, for just Moulin Rouge. disagree with this, the Rotten Tomatoes so Yeah, much. but... Um, but apparently Whoopi Goldberg at the Oscars hilariously quipped, um, I guess Merlin Rouge directed itself, you know, <laughs> too much. Um, yeah. Like, because yeah. that's how you go to the Oscars now is you just make fun of the establishment yeah. behind but it. But it's, um, that's considered one of the greatest Oscar snobs of, snubs of all time. Oh, Basically not even being nominated. Because it is, yeah, you've got to hand it to him that it's a very stylistic film. Yeah. And he pulled it off. Um, yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes scores. I think it's interesting because... I feel like it's because a lot more people saw Romeo and Juliet and um, Moulin Rouge. Mm. So I feel like Moulin, like those two on their own are kind of justified because they're very divisive films. Mm-hmm. I can understand why you'd hate Romeo and Juliet. I can understand why you'd love it. Same with Moulin Rouge. Yeah. But then Strictly Ballroom, if you've seen the other two and you're like, oh, I wonder what, what else Baz Luhrmann's done yeah. and you find Strictly Ballroom, you'd probably enjoy it. Yeah. And if you're a critic who likes Australian indie darlings, yeah. you're going to enjoy Strictly Boring. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, inoffensive. Yeah. It's why Spotlight won this, um, this okay. picture this year. Sure, because sure. you can't hate Spotlight. You can hate Mad Max or The Revenant, yeah. but no one's going to hate Spotlight. That's same, true. Same thing with 12 Years That's Slave. a really good way to put it. Um, okay, well, I want to... Should we go one by one and talk about them? Yep. Do like how many thoughts on them? Yeah. Uh, I don't really have much to say about Strictly Boring. I would say that yeah i'm not into dance and you aren't either yeah. like it's hard for me to, to watch a movie about dance and be like damn that was a good dance move because i don't know yeah okay there yeah. so during the film the saying that i said it's interesting because um to use an uh, an, an example of the opposite it's something that whiplash did really well mm-hmm. whiplash is a film about drumming i don't care about drumming i've never been interested in it I, it's not something i'm passionate about um strictly boring i not not once did i care about the stakes yeah. And I didn't understand 
why one character's dancing is better than another character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? Whereas like Whiplash is so well done that it's like, even though the stakes are so personal and so small, you, you're rooting for them so much. Yeah. And you can, I, I, I don't really understand what rushing and dragging is. I can make assumptions based on yeah. this, the scene. Um, but you still kind of, you, you, you feel the tension even yeah. though you don't get it. Yeah. Whereas in Strictly Ballroom, they essentially like try ban the main character and his and the love interest from like doing their dance on, the, on in the competition. And I don't get it because they don't care either. They they explicitly yeah. state we don't care about the trophy, and then they then the threat at the end is they're going to get um, banished from the competition, but they don't care. So you've already taken the stakes away there, yeah. and the and stakes also- exist solely for the bad guys. And the main characters don't really care. Yeah, and the, the bad guys are the judges. Yeah. They, they're like, oh, we're not going to let him do his, his funky dancing at the competition. Just yeah. don't let him win then. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're the judges. So, all in all, Strictly Ballroom, stupid movie. Yeah, but to be fair, because um, we watched it last night, and um, since then, I, I, I remember it more fondly than I think I did while I was watching mm. it. I'm That's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah, it, wasn't, cool. it wasn't horrible. It's um, sweet. So, Romeo and Juliet. Have you seen a movie called O? Uh, I'm aware of its existence. but I So, seen it. both Romeo and Juliet and O suffer from the same problem, in my opinion. Yeah. And they're both based on Shakespeare. O is based on Othello. Romeo yeah. and Juliet is based What's... on The Twelfth Night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the only real difference between the two films is that um, Romeo and Juliet has the language, whereas O is modernised right. in the language. Problem is, is that the decisions people made in Shakespearean stories don't translate to when you're in a modern mm. Or an environment so like in O Othello goes crazy kills shoots up the school which is why the, the filming was delayed because it was made in 1999 <laughs> right around Columbine yeah. and, and so and like it got to but at least it was pre 11 yeah yeah <laughs> gotta drop my reference in there for this week um, and and so like the problem is is that you can't import the um, this is talking about O more than Romeo and Juliet you can't import the the um hostilities and feelings that is based in like race and a kingdom you know Mm. like into high school because when someone breaks up with you in high school when you think someone's cheating on you in high school you don't really shoot up the school especially if not you're not he's like the pro basketball player like he's a normal guy and it sort of just didn't i was like this isn't realistic and similarly in romeo and juliet the decisions everyone makes is just sort of like like like, and like like they meet each other three days later they kill themselves hmm. based on misconceptions and stuff like that and that's that's cool that's dramatic irony as you said that's cool that's cool cool. but but like oh man i just want and like i don't know if this is the point of romeo and juliet and like because people consider it like such a great romance i don't because like if someone came up to me and was like hey juliet i'm juliet in this scenario Hey, Juliet. Or Romeo, actually. I don't know why I went for the girl first. Huh. Um, <laughs> but, like, if, if you go up to them and go, Hey, if you pursue this relationship, like, Romeo's going to kill a guy. Um, you're going to end up killing yourselves. It's going to break apart your family. I'd probably make, even at 13, or however old Juliet's supposed to be, I'd probably make the decision to be like, Okay, I'm probably not in love with this guy. Yeah. Like, they don't really have any... They have, It's a love at first sight thing. They don't really talk, and then they get married. And it's like... Uh, like, like Frozen taught me that you shouldn't marry someone you just met. And yeah. I'm trying to, like... That stuck with me from that movie, and looking it's at... It's interesting that it, it took Frozen to tell you that. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it did. 
Um, do you know what's funny? Before we started recording, I was legitimately thinking to myself, how am I going to bring up 9-11? Hmm. And I did it. Thanks, man. Seamlessly. Because I know you love talking about it. <laughs> I love 9-11. <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, you kind of grinded my... Yes. What happened to a, to an improv one hundred and one? Like, yeah, yeah. Wait till someone's on a roll, then call back what they were talking about <laughs> two minutes ago. Yeah. So you mentioned O. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um it's fine. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. I, like, I, I was thinking I had it confused with. Um, there's a version of Hamlet with Ethan Hawke. That's like a modernized version. Okay. Which, as far as I know, has the original dialogue. Oh. Um, but it's like about a tech company. Uh, something like that what's it called it's just called Hamlet oh. um, but yeah and I I, I thought I was about a tech company but I think I'm thinking of Hamlet mm. well a really good translation of this idea would be 10 things I had about, about you. you yeah yeah. that's probably the perfect example of this kind of film yeah because, Shakespeare in modern day yeah and yeah, that, that's you're right and that's because that's a comedy and no one dies yeah yeah it, like, it changes the stakes completely yeah. and well I mean oh yeah okay the original's pretty pretty duh low-key um but yeah the, yeah you're right actually and another good one lion king yep yeah is well it? that's that's the way to do it right if you're going to do it modern there's, well we don't know when the lion king set the lion king could, could be set in yeah this is true but it is um but it's a set, but it's, it's, a about, set it's about kingdoms and shit yeah 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 um so it's, it's still got those high stakes and you still believe them hmm. um and then uh, actually another a good interpretation of Romeo and Juliet is lion king too Simba's Pride. Or um, New Moon, the sequel to Twilight. Sure. Is uh, Romeo and Juliet. Who's? So, um, Bella, <laughs> revealing my Ro- my uh, Twilight knowledge here, okay. Bella is um, uh, Juliet and Jacob is Romeo because the werewolves are the Montagues? And uh, the, Romeo and Montague, yeah. Yeah, and the... Um, vampires are the Capulets and since Bella belongs to the vampires at that point in the story well she's on Teen Edward at that point in the story <laughs> yeah. um, she belongs and so like it's like her crossing into enemy territory and right. falling in love with yeah her. and it explicitly states it in the book she's, she like reads Romeo and Juliet in the book oh, yeah, um, whereas in the, in the movie they go to see love spell backwards as love and face punch really? those are the names of the movies that they came out with and they're like because she asked that guy to see um She's like, oh, he's like, oh, you want to go see this dumb uh, Lost Pole Backwards is Love and it's stupid. She's like, I want to go see Face Punch. And then um, he's real scared during Face Punch. I don't remember this at all. <clears throat> I, I remember I, it. I don't think I saw it. I remember it vehemently. <laughs> Stop using that word. We've used it like three I noticed, times. I like, you used it first because I've used it like about 15 times this weekend. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd picked up on it. I, I've been using it vehemently for years, bro. I've been using it vehemently for quite a long time. I was a bit... <laughs> <laughs> I must have been 16 when I first learnt the definition of vehemently. Yeah, I think I was probably 15. Oh, yeah. But you're, you're actually um, older than me. So. Yeah, so... I Wait, was... no, that puts me back even further. Yeah, so... Oh, you would be 14 when I learned Oh, it. shit. Um, yeah, so that's Romeo and Juliet. I think it's nothing more than an interesting experiment. Yeah. It's like, someone's made this movie, so no one has to again. <laughs> and yet they will. And they have. There's, there's so many Romeo and Juliet's. Yeah, well, no, I mean, like, this, this, um... Right, this the modern, modern, modern day, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, there's a fucking brilliant three times Hey, fun, fun story. Okay. Um, there's a New Zealand film, and I might get in trouble for saying this, because I'm 
probably two degrees of separation from the makers of it. Yeah. But there's a New Zealand film called Romeo and Juliet, A Love Story, which is the same thing. It's set in modern day, but yeah. it's like a, like a Hamilton trailer park or something yeah. like that. And, oh my gosh, it's the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I went to see it um, at like a boutique cinema in Christchurch years ago. Knew nothing about it. All my friends were going. A yeah. girl I liked was going. And so we went to this, this movie and it was awful beyond anything like beyond repair yeah it, it was a musical as well no um set in like this trailer park and one of the characters i can't remember what character it was i want to say it was the guy who played who's the, who's the priest and the and the, the baz lerman version i don't know yeah. if he's a priest in the original romance right but the and, one that gives him the poison yeah yeah, yeah yeah and that character was played by like a lady who has that disease that makes you look older um frankie stevens what? What are you talking about? Is that what that disease is called? Yeah. Frankie Stevens disease. No, it's not. Nah, Frankie Stevens is a New Zealand Idol judge. Yeah, why'd you bring him up? Um, I just, I, I, when you said it was played by, I, I assume the next word out of your mouth was oh, Frankie okay. Stevens. No, it's someone with that disease that makes you look older. You can, there's that famous girl. That... Um, Patch. Patch Adams. No. Patch Adams. Jack. Jack. Um, <laughs> And, but then they dub over her voice with, like, a hefty black guy. <laughs> what? So he's like, dog like this. But, like, it's this. It's this lady with this disease. They're like, she's bald. And like, I don't want to be, be cruel about it. But, you know, she's yeah. freaky, freaky, kind of freaky looking. That's really odd. Um, yeah. So that was one thing about that movie. And that's cool. why Do people... Do you have a second thing about that movie? Um, uh, Hayley uh, Westenra's brother's in it. Isaac Westenra. Hmm. who I'd actually met, he went to the same high school as me, yeah. and then I met him outside of high school, like years years after I graduated high school, me and a couple of friends met him at a McDonald's, and we're like, hey, you're Isaac, right? We went to the same school. He's like, yeah. And then we hung out with him all night on this top of this fort in this playground in the middle of a hurricane in Christchurch what that night. And we just got to know Isaac Westenra real well. And I've never seen him again <laughs> since then. That's a cool story. And he was in the movie. I saw him in the movie. Did you tell him it was a I, terrible I movie? I messaged him. I was like, hey, saw you in the movie. And he was like, oh, that's out already? Cool. <laughs> Is it terrible? And you were like, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Um, Roman Angel also has Paul Rudd in it. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, he seems like a cool dude. Not the it's, New Zealand Romeo and No, no, yeah. Back to Baz Lerman. B. B. Lerman. B. Lerman. One of my one of my the coolest actors I can think of. You know, he just seems like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Someone who doesn't seem like a cool dude who's in Romeo and Juliet, Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, it's time for uh, Richard is gonna talk about something right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not a really a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he's he's objectively a good actor. I'll give him that. That's an interesting Romeo... statement to make. Saying I don't know if anyone can be objectively a good actor. Yeah, continue. Anyway, yeah, well, he... For a long time, Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have an Oscar. Mm. And if you'd ever been on the internet, you'd been reminded of this fact roughly every 18 seconds. And then there'd be the reboot, the, the, the rebuttal that'd be like, well, Gary Oldman doesn't have an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> and so you see this conversation a lot. Yeah. He finally has his Oscar now, so hopefully everyone will shut up. Yeah, so Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't seem like a cool guy to hang out with. And that's what, what bugs me about him. I don't know, um, that sketch with James Corden where he texts Leo off J-Lo's phone. Seemed pretty I cool haven't seen that. that. And he texts, he, she, he, texts, he texts Leonardo DiCaprio off J-Lo's phone yeah. and says, hey, boo, what you up to tonight? And he texts back like with like, hey, nothing much, what you do? You know, it's like real like flirty back. I can't remember. 
right. I don't really like that show. But well, I don't know. Like, just nothing about him has ever made me think that's a cool, down-to-earth guy. Mm. You know, it's always like. And, like, why should we feel sorry for him not having an Oscar? I don't have I'm, an Oscar. I'm sorry that, like, someone who, like, bangs supermodels on a yacht for a living yeah. and, like, works with some of the greatest directors in the world doesn't have a little statue. Yeah. Well, I who think this, gives all, a this shit? all comes back to whether or not you care about Oscars anyway. Because yeah. I feel like he doesn't. That's the thing, yeah. Like, and he just doesn't seem personable. Whereas, you look at someone like Jay Gyllenhaal, who's... Or Paul Rudd. Or Paul Rudd. Don't have Oscars. Don't even have nominations. I don't know if Paul Rudd deserves an Oscar. Jake Gyllenhaal, man. Jake Gyllenhaal deserves an Oscar. You look at something like Nightcrawler. He wasn't even nominated for that. What? He's brilliant. Crazy. Um, whereas, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, every year he was nominated, he wasn't the best performance. Hmm. I'm sorry. He was... I would for, say... For fucking... Um, last time he was nominated, Great Gatsby, he was up against... Um, another um, Baz Luhrmann film. Yeah, another Baz Luhrmann. He was up against fucking... Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. Yeah. You're not getting it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, who was up against Matthew McConaughey and Dale, Dallas Buyers Club. Everyone's like, oh, Matthew McConaughey, have you seen Failure to Launch? Because he's a bad actor and Leo deserves his Oscar. No. He's incredible in Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. And, like, to be fair, Wolf of Wall Street is my favourite Leonardo DiCaprio performance because he doesn't sound like a little kid. It's the only film where he doesn't sound like a little kid. Um, and Romeo and Juliet is the perfect example of him sounding like a little kid. When he, he yells, was, he goes, Because he was a little kid. He was 21 at the time. And then, he fucking managed to yell like a man in Wolf of Wall Street when he's beating his wife. And then in The Revenant, he sounds like a little kid again. And it's like you're paying this grisly <sighs> fucking pub I, I want to agree with you, man, but I think... When you look at the other Best Actor nominees last year, this okay, year? Yeah, no, yeah that's year. the thing. Is he deserved it this year. Yeah. And with, like, The Revenant, it, he's not even the Best Actor in The Revenant. <laughs> no, he's not. But he, <laughs> but he fucking was the Best Actor out of yeah. him, Matt Damon, Brian Cranston, mm. Michael Fassbender, and mm. someone else. But Tom Hardy was better than him in The Revenant. Yeah. And, like, only Tom Hardy could play his character in The Revenant. Yeah. He was amazing. Whereas... Anyone can grow a beard, grow their hair long, and grunt in the I'll snow for three hours. I'll play Hugh Glass. Yeah. In the sequel. The Revenant Revenant. <laughs> do you know why that makes sense? Do you know what Revenant means? Yeah, I do. Do you want to explain it for the... Uh, <laughs> it means <laughs> you like, like to... um, when you think something's dead and it comes back. Yeah. Someone who has returned from the dead. Yeah. That was the, the, the tagline for the movie. Was it? Yeah. Well, it would, yeah. would say The Revenant and they would say Noun Revenant. Um, you know, the dictionary definition would be on the poster. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, maybe don't call your film The Revenant if you need to put the dictionary definition of it on the poster yeah it's a cool title though to be yeah. fair for a terrible movie yeah what do you think of The Revenant quickly eight words you have I liked it director good what's his name <laughs> Alejandro Inarritu yeah yeah he's cool um, I like I like the the reminiscent of Birdman moments right my my eight word review really long pretty boring final shot suck dick is that eight? yeah I just counted them Um, in front of you yeah the final shot of the revenant is terrible I I didn't mind it I hated it well like to be fair I I can't remember why are we talking about the revenant? I I can't remember if I liked the film but I remember the the last shot of the film when he he stares at the camera as if to say please academy that, what? Made, that left a sour taste hey, in my mouth. I was like, well, I hate this movie now. 
Um, what do you think of Moulin Rouge? What? Why would you bring that up? <laughs> We're talking about the Leonardo DiCaprio cinematic universe. Yeah. What's in Gilbert Grape? I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> no, what I are we think... doing here? <laughs> okay, um, no, but seriously, uh, Basketball Diaries. Um, what, is, is that a movie? Yeah. I've never heard of that movie. It's, um, it's a, speaking of school shootings, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio school shooting movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like school shootings almost as much as I like <laughs> Um, Yeah. I mean, it makes Catch Me If You Can look like the beach. Um, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. All right. Critters okay. 3. Okay. Okay. Is probably... Okay. okay. Hey, what did you think of Moulin Rouge? We could be lovers. But let's just do a podcast. And that's a fact. Um, I love this music in Moulin Rouge. Yeah, okay, Moulin Rouge is interesting because it's it's another good experiment, but this one paid off. Mm. Because, and this is straight from uh, B. Lerman's mouth, mm. um, Blurman. Bl- the, the blurs. The blurs. Um, blurred lines. Yeah. Um, where he, he went to India mm-hmm. and saw a Bollywood film. Mm-hmm. And um, one moment you've got real slapstick, lowbrow humour, mm-hmm. and the next you're crying. Yeah. And there's this real serious drama, cool. and then a few seconds later they're bursting into song. Yeah, and he and it's three and a half hours long, yeah. and the audience is in stitches. They're they're completely along for the ride, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Could you do this in the West?" Mm. And so he, he, and, he tr- and, he tr- and he tried, and he did. Oh, good. Which um, he shouldn't have been able to. No. When you look at his other experiment, which subjectively failed, um, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, it's. Um, it's just a monumentally better film. Mm. It's yeah, like you said, he's he's lumining on all cylinders. Yeah, he's and, in full lumen. And for some reason, it paid off, yeah. and it, it probably shouldn't have. He bazzed at full capacity. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a classic example of a director's style working once and then never again, and not really ever before that. Yeah, like, which is a real specific sentence to say that it's a classic example. Yeah, who would you, that, who would you say is another example of that? Oh, I didn't have one lined up. Okay. Um, uh, Shyamalan. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of... not. He's got probably had more than one movie that I would like. Yeah, he, but, got, he, he got it right for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I then didn't say that, that his stuff followed a formula and uh, two or three times it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I would say three. Other people would say two. Yeah. But I like Signs. So I'm going to... So what would you say? Signs... Um, Signs, Lady, Sixth Sense, and, and... Lady in the Water. <laughs> I mean, people would say Unbreakable, but I didn't mind Lady in the Water either. But right. Unbreakable is... The Happening. Is, yeah, The Happening. Yeah. Um, well, um, okay, so this is another another interesting thing about this trilogy, and that it's not really a trilogy, mm. is that it, um, the progression... I'm talking from our standpoint, not the critics. Okay. Um, is that <clears throat> the first one is fine... The second one sucks, <laughs> and the third one is the best. Yeah, and so it'd like to have a bad, a, a fine, and then a really good one. Mm-hmm. As the third one mm. doesn't happen often. Yeah, the only other example I can think of is the Solo Wolverine trilogy, where you've got X Men Origins Wolverine, which sucks, the Wolverine, which is fine, and then the trailer for Logan, which is amazing. <laughs> the trailer for Logan is yeah. the third Wolverine, and film. then. I mean, they're, they're kind of pushing it by adding a fourth one just entitled Logan, and so we'll see how that turns out. Because <laughs> hey, um, at the moment, they're, they're ending on a very high note. Richard, do you know what time it is? It's time to... It's time to confess. 
I don't have a confession. Do you have a confession? Uh, my confession was going to be that I don't like Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. But I, I, I uh, shot my wad prematurely, if you Yeah, will. yeah, yeah. All right, shall I have to try to think of a confession? Yeah, I, I feel like I had another one earlier this week. Okay. But I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Um, I don't really have a confession. Yeah. I don't know. No. Yeah. It was also going to be my, my PSA. It was going to be like... Oh, you're okay, going to guys, combine segments. Take a serious look at Leonardo DiCaprio. Is he that great? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe you could do a PSA and I'll do a confession. A PSA, okay. Um, <clears throat> climate change. <laughs> uh, Leonardo's DiCaprio's right. Climate change is a big problem. Um, and you should all watch Moulin Rouge because it's a dope movie. And also, one thing I liked about Moulin Rouge is that um, I saw it as a teenage boy for the first time and it's actually a really good movie for, for, for dudes to get into to let you like if you're if you're a dude and you want to get into more substance in film but you're worried it's it's too flowery and girly because yeah. you, you live in 2002 when gender roles are, are stronger yeah. um, then Moulin Rouge is a great example because you've got a, a relatable male character as your main character and mm. it's also about Broadway well well, I think it's one of those very um, kind of stylized. You say it's relatable, but then it's it's also it's similar to Romeo and Juliet in that they're kind of doing things for you know mm. you've only you haven't really known them that long. You're probably not actually in love with them. Yeah. Um, but because it's so stylized, it works. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Well, uh, do you want to talk about the titles? We talk about titles. Yeah, we talk about titles a lot on this podcast. Um, obviously, these aren't intended to be a. Yeah, a, I feel like we shouldn't have done this one. <laughs> Because it's not really a franchise, yeah, is it? Not really. But then, but the fact that it's sold as a box set mm. and it's called the it's, Red Curtain it's, Trilogy. It's the same with Blood and Ice Cream, but even those two, are, uh, that, that one is more like... Yeah, I'd say those ones are more... Connected. Connected. Um, These are different genres of movie, you know? They are, they are like one... The fact that the first one's Australian, huge, mm. like, outlier, was, yeah. you know? And then the, the second one has got Shakespearean language. And again, that's, like, such an alienating aspect of it. Mm. And then the... One's a they, they actually all have... They're all set... They all, like, there's a different accent on each one. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. what one's Australian, one's American, one's British or yeah. French. Iambic pentameter. Huh? Iambic pentameter in the second one. What are you saying? Iambic pentameter. What does that mean? It's the, um, the structure of Shakespeare's writing. Okay. It's five syllables. Oh, okay. Um, <coughs> thought you would have known that. Call right. yourself a writer. No, I, um, I'm not a big anyway, Shakespeare guy. Um, we talk about titles a lot on this podcast. Um, how would you have named the, the three films if you were trying to give them some kind of cohesive Okay, interesting, title? interesting question because I had nothing else to say about the titles. Yeah. Okay, so there's, so like Strictly Ballroom, Strictly Shakespeare, Strictly Musical, right? Yeah. Like that's the first one that, that comes to mind. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Giving them like a, a, a common theme. And it, what is it called? A idiosyncratic idiosyncrasy. Yeah. Well, okay. So it, it's funny because if you take, uh, you could call it like um, Scott and Fran, Romeo and Juliet and uh, Krishna and Satine. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Because the Romeo and Juliet, they'll get to, they'll be like, why do they call this first one Scott and Fran? <laughs> and then they'll get to Romeo and Juliet and be like, okay. All right. Okay. Where's the... Th- this is just, you're just making these two movies? Oh, okay. No, Christian and Satine. Okay. Yeah, and then it comes out with Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and like, well, okay. So you tril- you, you just made a trilogy then? The Great Gatsby. And then Get get On Up Down, whatever it's called. Yeah, Turn Up The Down. Turn Down For Up. 
Yeah. Have Do you heard anything about that? Yeah, I watched the first episode. Is it good? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's probably the best thing he's done since Moulin Rouge. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like that would suit his style. Yeah, t- TV shows, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think a lot of directors are probably finding that. A lot of storytellers yeah. being like, hey, um, TV, the long format of TV is actually a way better opportunity to... So and yeah and also like being so stylistic as well it probably works in shorter mm. bursts but even though it's like long form but mm. shorter you know what I mean um, yeah well okay and then what if we stole Merlin Rouge's I don't um, even know it'd be that. like um, the name of the ball fucking whatever the ballroom the place the is called v- Verona no it was it was called something ah it was, it was the, ball, the, ball, the ball. ballroom dancing place was called something I don't remember yeah what. So yeah, the name of the establishment. Well, that's interesting because you've got one that's the name of the art, one that's the name of the character, and one that's the name of the establishment. Yeah. Did we just find it in the idiosyncrasy? We found it. We found it. <laughs> the only outlier is strictly being yeah. in the title. Has a title bomb though. That's nice. Yeah. Do they all have titles? No. Well, I mean, yeah, but the title bombs don't count if it's like an element that's in yeah, the story yeah. and said a bunch of times. All right. Well, this is um, because it's, it's interesting to talk about the titles in this because they don't follow any kind of format. It's also going to be interesting to do... Blah, 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 continuing the franchise. Hard hard week this week, isn't it? It sure is. Because how do you continue a franchise that's not really a franchise? Yeah. This is the first time we've done this. We've never done a franchise that isn't directly related yeah. to each other. Um, so you go first. What have you got? Okay, well, I was trying to think of a couple of different ways of doing it. One is just, um, so you've got music, you've got dance, and you've got um, poetry. literature, poetry. Yeah. And so, um, what's another form of art mm-hmm. is just art. Like yeah, painting. Just, like paintings and shit. Um, and so I was like, Baz Luhrmann could do a, an adaptation of The Picture of Dorian Gray. Okay. Because, um, you know, he's not above doing um, adaptations of this trilogy. Um, because he did Romeo and Juliet and that's probably the only thing I could think of so Baz Luhrmann's Dorian Gray yeah but then I feel like why would he do that yeah it, and it it's doesn't like it's suit a, him it's at all it's a trilogy as yeah. well yeah it's, Golf, it's so nice so thing. stupid alright um, okay, well, either that or you make a sequel to yeah, one yeah. of them yeah yeah what a Scott and Fran up to 25 I feel years like later. the only sequel you could do would be Romeo and Juliet and it would just be a different play yeah but then, like, you're stuck in this problem that everyone else has done that already. Yeah, what, which Shakespearean play would you like to see adapted into modern day, AJ? I don't know, like, any, I'll be yeah. honest. I know Romeo and Juliet and Othello and kind of Hamlet because of Lion King. Mm. I can assume what Hamlet would be about based off the Lion King. Do you know it's a great play? What? It's actually a great play. Uh, King Lear. Okay. I'd like to see that adapted. Yeah. It's, it's another one that probably wouldn't be... It wouldn't translate well to modern days unless mm. you... President Lear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you could do it with like a, like a CEO of a company because it's all about this guy is going to leave his kingdom to these to one of his three daughters. One they get banished and and then he goes blind and shit like that. Would you like Would you like Baz Luhrmann to direct that? Um, sure. And I'd like Christopher Lloyd to play oh, King we, Lear. We went to a Christopher Lloyd panel today, and he said he really wants to play Chris, King Lear. Yeah, but it was also really depressing. But we won't get into that. But he dabbed. <laughs> He dabbed. It was awesome. Okay, my continuing the franchise. Yes. You got a red curtain trilogy. What other colour curtains are there? So I... <laughs> this is the stupidest one of you. Okay. Uh, I pitched to you, Richard, the purple curtain trilogy, and it's the entire trilogy done in Invercargill. 
what, where, where they say amber uh, purple curtains purple curtain purple. oh yeah so it's it's uh strictly ballroom <laughs> Romeo and Juliet and Merlin Rouge <laughs> and it's the whole thing script word for word but sitting in the cargill and everyone's Every, got, everyone's Tim Sherbolt yeah everyone's Tim Sherbolt they're like welcome to the Moulin Rouge <laughs> if you can again can the thing is I feel outside like, it might be raining but in here it's entertaining I feel like Tim Sherbolt would do it as well we should get I Tim like Sherbolt on the, the podcast, fucking podcast yeah man Oh my god! Oh my god. We, if we, we should, if, no, Tim the thing Shabot. is though, um, Tim Chabot's the ex-mayor of Invercargill. For yeah, some he's reason, not, he's not the mayor anymore. Is no, he? I don't think he has been for years. But for some reason, he's no. Like, he's, still, he's the longest-serving mayor. Oh, is that but why? Then, like, he stayed this, in the zeitgeist for a long time. And no, I'm the, not sure the why. thing I'm pretty sure this election, yeah, is was the first time it was ever in doubt. I don't know if he's still the mayor. Um, um, who else is a famous mayor? You know, in New Zealand, you know. There's the 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 only uh, mayor, I think he's a mayor in New Zealand that speaks fluent Maori is Asian. (laughs) Cool, yeah, interesting. Um, But the thing, Tim Sherbolt has a has a has a clause. I don't know if it's an official thing, but if you want to shoot a film in Invercargill, Mm -hmm. Tim has to have a. um, Yeah, you see, 1998 to present. He's Tim Sherbolt is the uh, mayor of Invercargill. If you want to shoot a film in Invercargill. Tim uh, Chabot has to have a cameo. And that's why... Two little boys, he has a cameo. Uh, the world's fastest Indian, yeah. isn't it? Um, Playing himself. <laughs> but he's... Um, yeah, I saw him in New World once, the one on Queen Street, that little mini yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask him to be on the podcast, but we didn't start it for another two years, oh. so I didn't. Yeah. Well, no, like, yeah, Tim Tim Chabot... If we record an he, episode of this in, in Invercargill, he would probably come on it. He would, he, like, he should be in, so, in, in the Purple Curtain trilogy, he, who would he play? Who would Tim Shabbat play? Uh, he'd play Jim Broadbent's character. Okay, yeah, obviously. Who yeah. would he play in Romeo and Juliet? Um, so Jim Broadbent's character was Harold Zidler, by the way. Yeah, not that that helps. Well, um, if you know Moulin Rouge. Yeah, yeah. but how, who, would you, how, who knows Moulin Rouge but doesn't know who Jim Broadbent does? Okay, fair enough. Who would he play in Romeo and Juliet? Um, Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. I was thinking like Romeo's dead or like the priest or like. <laughs> I, like that, I thought about it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait, what's the best answer? All right, and in Strictly Ballroom, Scott. Scott, friend. So he both friend. So he plays the main character in two out of three of them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Oh no, fuck it. He can play you, McGregor. Okay. <laughs> he's he's not playing. Christian. We could be lovers, <laughs> and that's a fact. Is that what he, what he sounds like? <laughs> I'm just, just, say, I'm just assuming. You don't know what he sounds like. I'm just assuming that's oh, what. Oh, he could be lovers. That's a fact. <laughs> oh, man. It's because we any, any non-New Zealand listeners to this are just going to be like, what the hell are you guys talking yeah, about? Google Tim Shabble. He's a good for a laugh. He's good. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's national, a bloody top national bloke. treasure. Yeah. He is. He's the definition he of a national treasure. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, you talked about like a way of continuing the franchise. Is to just do a new trilogy. I hadn't thought of that. Mm. I was trying to shoehorn in a fourth entry, mm. but probably the way to do it would be to do a whole new trilogy. Okay. Or to reboot. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool to to see him. Um, or see, someone else direct. Them. Yeah. Or like strictly ballroom be remade because it's mm. it, it's an outlier because of how how indie it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you remake strictly ballroom with the higher production budget. Yeah. That could be interesting. It's interesting watching them how. Um, I don't know if it's just like one person being influenced by one other person, but um, the Australianness of it feels um, 
especially Strictly Ballroom, feels very George Millery. Mm. Um, yeah, George Miller, you'll said, know, as the director of Happy Feet too. I, I um, said to you when we were watching the, how, how much um, Strictly Ballroom reminded me of the first Mad Max film. Yeah. And even the second Mad Max film. Yeah, that, that like, low budget. It's, and it's hard to... Obviously, those films are nothing alike, but there's, like, this sort of trait of, like... The main, the main thing I can put words to is, like, really invasive mid-shots of characters yelling. Like, yeah, the, wheel, like the, the camera works very similar. It, an almost fish-eyed lens of like, so their nose is mm. real big in the picture. Be like, welcome along. Have you ever, have you seen the first Mad Max? Uh, it's been on, but I wasn't really paying attention. Nothing like the rest of the movies. Oh yeah, in the no, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like it's not even an apocalypse. It's just like in the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Road, <laughs> I mean, like Road Warrior is nothing like the first Mad Max. I know. Yeah, yeah. And then Fury Road's insane. Yeah, but yeah, none it, of the Mad Max films are like each other. Yeah, and then the third one is Ten Um <clears throat> Beyond the Thunderdome. And then... Um, but yeah, like, it's interesting. You see Strictly Borum has that classic indie Australian feel, which you feel in the first Mad Max. And then Merlin Rouge is almost like a musical Fury Road. They feel... They do feel similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when man. you actually, like, sit down and think about it, the camera work, the fucking... It's just... This the is invasive... Just the little... Something's always happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, um, man. It's like this is just the the um, trajectory of an Australian director. It's mm. something about like the collective consciousness of one nation. Yeah. <laughs> like, has... yeah, I, I wonder if that's just like Baz is just a fan of George. Yeah. Or yeah. if it's like this is how Australian films. Yeah, are. yeah. Because I, mean, I, I can't really think of many more Australian films. ACDC are they a film um, or Wolf, is it a Wolf, band? Wolf Creek. Oh, Wolf Mother. No, that's a band as well. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking. You know, at the start of those Australian DVDs, where it was like, yeah. "We all love a good Aussie film," and then it burns, and it's like anti-piracy. Yeah. It was always either Happy Feet or Wolf Creek, depending yeah, on like, the, the rating of the, rating the movie. Of the movie. You, you got. Um, yeah. We all love a good Aussie film. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the next because one. they don't do like New Zealand ones. Are there any New Zealand franchises we get Tim Shabon on? There's um, uh, Once More Warriors. Once More Warriors and What Becomes of the Broken Hearted. Um, My people, Once More Warriors. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Um, oh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Would you really call that a? Um, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you? Yeah, there's bound to be some old ones. How how long has New Zealand been making movies for? I don't know. Ten years. <laughs> <laughs> we only got a camera last week. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, this uh, goodbye pork pies been been. Re- Reported. <laughs> I was actually going to say reported. Maybe it's time to to, to continue the franchise. Hey, what? Oh, what? Fuck, what? what, what yeah, what? go on. No. Sorry, I was, fuck. You said maybe it's time to, and I, I said continue the franchise. I meant to say franchise, franchise roulette. We're going to do franchise roulette now, which is where we randomly select a different franchise to be our next week's. Hopefully, it'll be more cohesive than yeah. this week's. I do just at this point want to say that I'm. Um, <clears throat> I've got a cold, by the way. Yeah. This is why my voice sounds like this. Okay. Hey, what um, what franchise do you hope we roll? Well, AJ, I'm always hoping for Rocky. Right. I'm hoping for um, Gremlins. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to pull up the... What do you Google most not want? What do I most not want? Yeah. Probably Barbie. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's probably quicker for you to just do it. Yeah, I've got it open. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we go with the fancy random number generator. 238. Uh, what's 238? 238 is... Millions of people have lost weight with 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, you know, this is actually an interesting one. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, how many were them out there? Three films, one reboot, another reboot, and it's sequel. <laughs> I've never been a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's a good one. That's a good franchise. It's such, it's, so the, what's their total of one, uh, three, four, five, six films? That'll be our biggest one yet. No. Uh, Except yeah. for The Mummy. There were six films. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you for, for listening. Uh, if you liked this, go check out Cult Popcher on YouTube. Um, we've actually got a new web series coming out <laughs> um, so that'll be real exciting it's well it's sort of a web series it's more a video essay series um, so that's cool that's happening on the horizon that's yeah. the thing. Well, see, do you really want to get people into that because I for one don't like watching video essays because they're so long oh, well the thing is Richard is that um, Cop Popcorn as it's titled is actually uh, going to be comprised of one minute video essays but that's something so easily digestible. Yeah, and it's consumable as well, just like popcorn. Or a cult. It's cult popcorn. And there's going to be two a week. I don't st- want to be your corporate show, Start, AJ. AJ wrote break. this script for me, and I'm throwing it out. I'm um, going off script. So if you like pod. that, keep a lookout for that, and keep a lookout next week, where we're going to be doing, no, in two weeks, we're going to be doing the Teenage Ninja Turtles movies, which I'm actually pretty excited about. Should we actually say what they, they're going to be? Okay. I don't know. Who cares? I'll look them up. All right. I'll um, pair for time. So, uh, I just want to introduce now. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard hey, of... When you type in Teenage Mew into Google, it auto-corrects it. To, oh, wow. It, like, guesses it for you. Um, I want to introduce um, a character we haven't talked about yet. Um, a guy called Jason Patrick. He starred in a little indie gem called Speed 2 Cruise Control, which AJ and I have a poster of hanging in our um, lounge. Important to note, we haven't... Seen it. We haven't seen the movie, so um, when it rolls for franchise, really, we, we, we will watch it, and uh, it'll be great. But yeah, Jason Patrick, um, keep an eye out for him. It's That's going to be our goal, to get him on the podcast one day. Mm-hmm. Um, now, AJ, I believe you've got... Hashtag get Patrick on the podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, so the films in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 The Secret of the Ooze in 1991 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 in 1993 TMNT in 2007 then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again in 2014 then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows 2016 it's interesting that one was called TMNT so we can't abbreviate the other ones yeah yeah it kind of sucks (laughs) All right, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks. Um, this was a rough one. It's, yeah. it's been going for an hour, which Are I you didn't serious? know. We were, okay, before this, we were like, this is going to be one of our short ones, because these movies are pretty boring. We don't have anything to say about them. Yeah, turns out we just like talking. All yeah. right, goodbye, everybody. Bye.